How did we get where we are in the United States? Uh, I'm going to give you a little historical perspective. The next two plenaries will be more scripture-oriented in terms of the uh, actual content. But the, the question, first of all, is how do we, uh, and you have notes here if you want to follow along. Uh, I'll be more like preaching than reading the notes, but uh, page 17 in your, in your notebook, okay? How did we get here? Uh, first of all, just a word of testimony. I got saved in seminary. I got to seminary. I won't give you the details. Don't have the time. But biblical counseling was particularly involved with Jay Adams being one of the professors there at the seminary. And uh, <clears throat> somebody called them cemeteries. I got raised from the dead in one of them, so I'm eternally grateful uh, for that. And, uh, Jay Adams is uh, basically my spiritual father. Um, so not, how did we get here? First of all, uh, just to, to give God the praise and glory, he's the only one that know how we got here, okay, totally, because he's the only true historian. He's the one in eternity planned history, and we're responsible for living it out, but he's the one that knows all the ins and outs and the true reasons why we are where we are. He planned it. He providentially directs it. He's the only accurate one, and the way we get to understand God's mind is in the Scripture. And so I hope that what we're going to look at now is uh, biblical in its basis. So where's here? <clears throat> we live in a global village. Uh, I believe there's a coordinated satanic uh, movement that is worldwide. However, I'm going to focus on us here in the States and, say, Canada. This was given a couple of years ago at a, a conference where the <clears throat> ACE, the uh, Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, <clears throat> uh, and uh, the seminary where I teach, we coordinated and did this. And I'm going all over the world, <clears throat> and wherever you go, you run into this, <clears throat> whether it's on a plane with somebody complaining about how, and this is years ago, Obama should cut uh, money to Uganda and other countries because homosexuality is still a crime in that country. <clears throat> I had to tell the American I was sitting with, have you ever been to Uganda? No. Do you know anything about Uganda? No. I said, I've been there. And guess what? They have Martyr's Day. What's Martyr's Day? That's where <clears throat> a bunch of young pages, young men, uh, some were Roman Catholic, some were uh, Anglican, you know, the uh, Episcopal Church in, in uh, England uh, years ago. And the king of Uganda wanted to have sex with them, and they refused, and they were killed. He had them killed. And every year, every year, they have Martyr's Day in Uganda to celebrate these young men who refused to bow to the king. Okay. So we're in a world, uh, America doesn't understand people like that. But where do we live? Well, basically in a Sodom and Gomorrah. If you don't understand that, you've been asleep at the wheel. Uh, we're in short, we're in a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. You can see Robert Bork's book, uh, Slouching Towards Gomorrah, Modern Liberalism in American Decline. Okay. The gay 90s led to the roaring 20s <clears throat> with flappers and all to what I grew up. I am going to be 72 this month. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, 60s, the sensual 60s, where literally all hell broke loose and anything uh, went. Today, the LGBT, and I need to add to the notes Q, okay, <clears throat> agenda has been enforced by the U.S. Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriages. Um, God doesn't see this. It's not according to his word. The truth is the United States 
Canada, Western culture has never been Christian nations. Never. The United States and Canada are not covenanting Scotland or people that swore allegiance to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the Scottish covenanters, a lot of them were killed during the killing times because they refused to recognize the king because he reneged on his promise to let them worship God in freedom. Uh, you may never have heard the country Zambia. It's in, in Africa. Uh, Frederick Chaluba, who was the president in 1991, he came to president. And uh, I have a tape of his uh, inaugural uh, uh, speech <clears throat> and then his getting up in front of the press and saying, I'm declaring this a Christian nation. Now, just saying that doesn't make it so. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of things happened. He had more scripture in that prayer, and then when he prayed over the Zambian soccer team that went down in a plane crash, they had all the, you know, caskets lined up at midfield on the soccer pitch, and uh, he uh, gave a, a magnificent uh, sermon and prayer. It's not even like that. However, the United States has been affected by biblical principles, right? I mean, we, anybody that's honest would have to say that. The Bible verses on public buildings, right? Government buildings, they have it. The U.S. has paid Christian chaplains in the U.S. Senate and the House since constitutional uh, colonial times. So listen again to our national anthem. I won't, I won't read the first verse. You're familiar with that. Oh, say, can you see? But listen to the rest of what Francis Scott Keyes wrote. On that shore dimly seen through the mist of the deep where the foe's haughty host in dread silent reposes, what is that which the breeze or the towering steep, as it fitfully blows, half conceals, half discloses? Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam in full glory, reflecting now shines on the stream. Tis the star-spangled banner, oh, long may it wave, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. And where is that band who salvantly swore that the havoc of war and battle's confusion, a home and a country, should have us no more? Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps' pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of the flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, thus be it ever, where free men shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner and triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free, the home of the brave. Okay? That is the poem that he wrote. It's Francis Scott Key. He wrote it on the 13th of uh, uh, September in the year 1814. Remember the War of 1814. The Defense of Fort McHenry was the title. And it's been set what we know as the Star Spangled Banner and that music uh, to the Akronine of Heaven, uh, an English tune, ironically. And the officials uh, officially was used the first time by the U.S. Navy in 1889. Officially used by the U.S. government first time by Woodrow Wilson in 1916. 
the national anthem by congressional resolution the 3rd of March, 1931, and signed by President Hoover. Well, who do you think he was referring to? Hmm? What God do you think that Keyes was referring to? Now, in case you didn't catch it, let me make it real clear. Because here's a hymn that I grew up singing. Lord, with glowing heart, I praise thee for the bliss thy love bestows and for the pardoning grace that saves me and the peace that from it flows. Help, O God, my weak endeavor, this dull soul to rapture raise. Thou must light the flame or never can my love be warmed to praise. Praise my soul, the God that sought thee, wretched wanderer far astray, found thee lost and kindly brought thee from the paths of death away. Praise with love's devoutest feeling him who saw thy guilt-born fear and the light of hope revealing bade the blood-stained cross appear. Praise thy God, Savior God that drew thee to that cross, new life to give, held a blood-sealed pardon to thee, bade thee look to him and live. Praise the grace whose threats alarmed thee, roused thee from thy fatal ease. Praise the grace whose promise warmed thee. Praise the grace that whispered peace. Lord, this bosom's ardent feeling, vainly would my lips express, low before thy footstool kneeling, deign thy suppliant's prayer to bless. Let thy love, my soul's chief treasure, love's pure flame within me raise, and since words can never measure, let my life show forth thy praise. It's obviously the keys meant the triune God of the Bible, the God of the pilgrims and the Puritans. If this poetry doesn't convince you, then listen to the U.S. Supreme Court. This was written in 1892, which unanimously agreed with Justice David Josiah Brewer, who wrote this, uh, in the Church of Holy Trinity versus the United States, and that's the case number. Listen to this quote. Quote, if we examine the constitutions of the various states, we find them in constant recognition of religious obligations. Every constitution of every one of the 44 states at that time contained language which either directly or clearly by clear implication recognizes a profound reverence for religion and an assumption that its influence in all human affairs is essential to the well-being of the community. Quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting free exercise thereof, end of quote. That's under attack today because of the court system. Back to his uh, writing. There is no dissonance in these declarations. There is a universal language pervading them all, having one meaning. They affirm and reaffirm that this is a religious nation. These are not individual sayings, declarations of private persons. They are organ organic utterances. They speak the voice of the people. While because of a general recognition of this truth, the question has seldom been presented to the courts, yet we find in, and it quotes the, up the graph versus Commonwealth, uh, it was decided that, quote, 
Christianity, general Christianity, is and always has been a part of the common law of Pennsylvania. That's a little state just east of here. Okay. Okay. Not Christianity with an established church and tithes and spiritual courts, but Christianity with liberty of conscience of all men. The case assumes that we are a Christian people and the morality of the country is deeply engrafted upon Christianity and not upon the doctrines of worship of those imposters. It is also said, and truly, that the Christian religion is part of the common law of Pennsylvania. These and many other matters which may be noticed add a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation. Now, beloved, don't hold your breath. You won't hear that from the present U.S. Supreme Court. But that's the nation. Now, again, as I said last night, our nation has lots of sins, right? Slavery, uh, pornography. We probably produce more pornography. We've killed millions in the womb. So uh, this is not a godly nation at this point. But the question is, how do we get from there, with all the failures and everything else, uh, a, a Christian-influenced nation where you can see verses on public buildings to where now the Ten Commandments are not allowed in public schools, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Well then, let's look where we are and how we got here. Now why do we want to do that? Is this just because we like history? No. Because if we don't know how we got where we've gotten, we can't get back. In fact, I think we have to get back past where we were so that we can finally have something that's called a Christian nation. Again, we're here to see individuals saved. We're here to see families influenced by the gospel. We're here to see churches, obviously, to be Bible-based. But we'd like to see a nation as well. So uh, where do we go? The general overarching answer is this. How did we get here? Simple. The church stopped being the church. The church stopped being salt and light. And when you don't have salt, that's the old way of preserving anything, right? Right? You've all experienced that in your refrigerator. Even with modern refrigeration, you go, ooh, goes out in the garbage, right? Or here, probably goes out for the pigs. You know, slop slop it out there for them. Don't want to waste anything. But the bottom line is, things have gone bad. The general overarching is the church has lost its salt, it's lost its savor. To learn this uh, so we can get back, hopefully. Three things, and you've heard this before. The world, the flesh, and the devil, Right? That's the unholy trinity. That's what's conspiring to destroy uh, where we live. Okay? Now, look, this world's not our home, right? Can I get an amen? It's not our home. Okay? It's got to be done over. Uh, by the way, there's a heresy that's running around. I think it's the dumbest heresy I've ever heard. It's called full preterism. We'll get into technical details. They believe that the resurrection's already happened. Now, if this is the resurrection, I've been ripped off. Okay? This is, this is blunt. I'm not trying to be blasphemous or anything. But if this is as good as it gets, hey, we've been ripped off. Okay? As I'm learning, as my dad said when he was about my age, he says, all my friends are dying. 
and uh, my friends are dying off. Uh, one is a wonderful pastor, been a missionary, he's ALS, and he's living through a computer at this point. This isn't heaven, Toto. Um, that, that's a bumper sticker you should put on your car. Right next to the America bless God. It's not God bless America. God will bless America when America starts blessing God, okay? So let's look at these. First of all, okay, listening to Satan's lies and not listening to God's word. That's where we get wrong, right? That's where, that's where our, four, our first parents, Adam and Eve, got messed up. They listened to the lie and they thought it was the truth, right? Okay, just go. I got a bunch of passages. Genesis 3. Did God really say, you eat that, you'll die? Nah. By the way, as I said last night, I want to know, is, is, was the creation Narnia or something? What are they talking to a snake? That's it's one of the first ones I'm going to ask to heaven. What, what, what are you talking to a snake for? Now, it's probably Adam's fault because he was supposed to be leading and not listening to his wife, okay? In that bad sense. When she, did God really say, Genesis 6, Really? Really? There's going to be a flood? Are you nuts? (laughs) One little girl said, what was was Noah preaching? We know that from the scriptures. What was Noah preaching? Get on the ark. No ark, no salvation. And we know from 1 Peter, it represents baptism. Christ is the only one that gets through the flood. No flood. There was a real flood. Genesis 12. Y'all need to get out there and multiply and replenish the earth and have dominion over it. We don't want to do that. We want to stick together and build a big tower and have a famous name. God goes, really? Okay. Can you imagine the work site the first day? Which being translated means give me the hammer. God says, fine, you won't scatter, I'll scatter you, okay? The lies, right? We can live here, we can make a name for ourselves, we don't have to do what God says, okay? You go one-on-one with God, and you're going to lose. I've had to say that in counseling, right? I had to say that to a pastor, said, I'm going to leave my wife, I know it's wrong, but God's going to forgive me, and I'm going to go serve the Lord with this other woman. I said, really? I said, where'd you get that? I'll tell you what. I said, you stay here and give me a 20-minute head start. He says, why? I said, I promise you're going to stay here. Why? I said, because when God deals with you, there could be collateral damage. And I need a 20-minute head start, okay, because you're going to sit here and thumb your nose at God. God's going to wipe you out. I have to say things like that in people. I was uh, supervising someone recently, and it's very interesting. This inner city couple come in. He was a, they were Christians, but he was committing adultery. He says, I'm not going to repent. And uh, the guy from China that I'm training, he didn't know what to do. So I'd say, the guy's, I mean, the guy's big. Okay. I said, sir, excuse me, before you leave, can I say something to you? He said, what? I said, do you think I can take you? He looked at me now. I said, yeah, I'm a skinny old white guy, and you're a big black dude. I said, but I want to tell you something. You go one-on-one with God, he's going to clean your crock. He's going to take you, and he's going to wipe the floor up with you. Don't go one-on-one with God because you're going to lose. Sometimes you have to speak the truth in love, but it does have to be blunt. You don't want to believe this. Go, go, Go through this, okay, all through it. 
uh, God says, this is my anointed. He's sitting on the throne. Really? Nah. Tell you what. He who sits in the heavens, what? Laughs. You and what puny army are going to take Jesus Christ off the throne? That is the craziest thing ever. The mediatorial reign of Jesus Christ is not some mythology or obscure theological point. Brothers and sisters, whatever your eschatologist, Jesus Christ is risen. Amen? Where is he? He's not in Argentina. He's next to the Father in heaven, and he is calling the nations to repentance, not just individuals. Okay? If our nation doesn't repent, King Jesus will come, and guess what? He'll clean us up, and we'll be on the garbage heap of the nations, every other one, Assyria, Babylon, Egypt, and there won't be the United States of America anymore unless we repent. Well, again, Romans 1, men suppress the truth and unrighteousness, okay? Today in uh, uh, post-Christian America, this is what happened. Um, I think you ought to look up uh, Peter Jones, and, and if you're not familiar with Truth Exchange and his work, you really should. Uh, Genesis 1, okay, uh, 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 the devil is giving a lie, right? Even into the church. I don't know where you all stand, but I know a lot of people who still claim to be Bible believers that for them, Genesis 1 through 10 is what? Myth. Okay? If you've heard of Peter Enns or other people like that, if you've heard of BioLogos, uh, again, I don't know what circles you move in, but these are Christians who are trying to put science and, and Christianity together. There's really no contradiction, but they don't believe now in a historic Adam. No historic Adam? Then how do you know you have an historic Jesus? If there wasn't a worldwide flood, how do we know the judgment isn't universal? Below it, you know, without Genesis 1 through 10, we don't have a gospel. Okay? And so this is not minor matters. So Satan has lies. Okay? It's very, very important. Even someone as eminent as B.B. Warfield, uh, as a scholar and, and a wonderful Christian man in the 1800s, was affected, uh, wondering maybe there's some truth to uh, um, a evolutionary, a theistic evolution. That's wrong. Okay? That's all wrong. What's happened in the U.S.? Now, again, I'll just mention the book. It's in your notes there. It's a theological interpretation of American history. Okay? C. Greg Sinner, he's with the Lord now, a great uh, historian. He, he, he made the case. You look at what happened theologically in America, and that's why we've gone down the tubes. It started way back. Harvard, why is there a Yale because Harvard was going liberal at the, original, at, at the early 1800s. And that's why uh, Yale was formed. Yale's down the tube. All the Ivy League schools. The schools have gone apostate. They are secular schools. And listen to this quote. It is not the purpose of these essays to present a history of the United States or of American Christianity, but rather to betray the influence of theology and the changing doctrines in the life of the church on the pattern of American political, constitutional, social, and economic development. This book is born of the conviction that ideas in general do have consequences and that theological ideas have tremendous consequences in the life of a nation. Indeed, it is impossible to understand completely the history of a nation apart from the philosophies and theologies which lie at the heart of its intellectual life. He makes a case, and you get the book, um, 
it shows that because where we are now is because of the theological decline. And one's view of God and reality and truth dictate one's view of family, sex, etc. I mean, this is where I'm trying to explain to you how we got to the point where there's the gender confusion. The next plenary, we're going to talk about gender confusion and gender blending, okay, and why it's not biblical. And the third plenary will be about gay Christianity, okay? And there is a movement called gay Christianity, and I want to explain it because you are going to have people in your congregation that are taking misexegesis of the Scripture and trying to apply it, okay? So that, it's important, okay? So, so Satan has lies, and it's not always, uh, you know, uh, lies about religion. It's across the board. Well, the second enemy that we face, okay, is the world. And the world and the devil work together to destroy culture, okay? And there's a synergism. It gets worse. There's Satan, and then there's the, the, the lies of Satan, and then there's the world, okay? And I'll go through this quickly. God warns his Old Testament covenant people, right, not to make covenants pagans. Remember? What's the worst thing? One of Satan's main tactics in, it, in my first church, a rural church uh, in New Jersey. I saw this all the time. Christians hooking up with non-Christians. Okay? Yeah. Interracial marriage isn't, isn't wrong biblically. Interfaith marriage is. Okay? Might have mentioned, where did we get the worldwide flood? From a bunch of, it's not angels and women having sex. I mean, that's not possible. Angels don't have bodies, okay? Uh, the, bi- the point is, it was Seth's line, you know, Cain's line, and, and what? You got big, bad, rebellious people. And God says, that's it, I'm starting over again. When Christians start making relationships, whether it's marriage or others, with them, uh, God warns his people against that. The New Covenant have the same thing. Look at 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6 particularly, that whole passage in terms of uh, the, the bad sexuality in terms of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. That's a bad congregation, by the way. I would never tell a young guy, take that as a pastorate. Okay? Corinth was a mess. Okay, you got, a, you got a guy sleeping with his stepmother. You know, Paul goes, what are you doing? <laughs> Put the guy out of the, you know. So, so it's a mess, but God warns, okay, not to be unequally yoked together. Revelation 2, uh, one of the tactics, remember Balaam? He wanted, the, he wanted the cash, right? And God wouldn't let him. The Holy Spirit actually came on this pagan and wouldn't let him curse Israel, right? But remember, if you read the text carefully, what did he do? He tells Balak, listen, get them all sexed up and drunk and, and having sex with our people, and God will kill them for you. Right? And he did that. The Israelites did that. And, and, and the priest had to go spear a couple right in the middle of it, okay? Um, anyway, so... Um, same thing. One of the churches there, a uh, real church in Asia Minor, uh, t- Balaam's tactics. 
Yeah, you have these people that, that teach it's okay to have sex with pagans. Okay? And he says that's got to cease. So God warns against pagan philosophy and corrupt worship. It's all over the scriptures. Okay? And, and brothers and sisters, uh, by this is an aside back to basics, why don't we depend on psychology? Because it, it's not all wrong, but it's what? Non-Christians observing a bunch of other non-Christians and taking an average of average sinners. And then they tell us that's how you're supposed to live, right? You women know this, right? We can take a survey today of all these men in here and take an average of what the average husband's like in here. And what do you got? An average sinner. <laughs> okay? You can never judge what ought to be from what is. Because it's a fallen world. It's a, it's a fallacious thing. Okay, science is an amazing thing, right? We love science. But in America, we, we almost bow down and worship science, right? 30 years ago, they're saying to me, Skip, don't eat butter. It'll clog your carties. It'll kill you off. Eat margarine. Now, what are they telling me now? Don't eat margarine. Eat butter. That's science. That's a funky little example, but it's true. Why? Because we learn more and more as we go along. But guess what? There's only one person in the universe that knows everything. Who's that? It's God. God is the only one that has infinite knowledge and how everything relates to everything else and never messes it up. So any honest scientist, okay, We'll tell you what, um, we have a relative, it's a long story, um, psychiatrist, it's a long story, but the psychiatrist's name was Funkenstein, Dr. Funkenstein. He said, what, did I, what could I be with a name like that? I had to be a psychiatrist, right? <laughs> and he said, why do these drugs work? You know what he say? We don't know. Now, that's an honest scientist for you. We don't know. We're just doing the best we can with what we have, okay? So when, when we argue, let's not go to science, let's go to Scripture. Why? Because we want capital T truth, not minor T truth, okay? So uh, the minor church is impressed with power, isn't it, right? We're impressed with the social sciences, with the physical sciences. But there's a difference. The social sciences are not hard sciences, I can't go, that's a, a rabbit's trail I can't go down, but uh, social sciences are not sciences, but thinly guised philosophy and social planning. Uh, I've uh, done that in a book that hopefully is going to be republished uh, in July, The Biblical Battle for the Family. It's in your notes, Christian Smith, The Sacred Project of American Sociology, Moral Darwinism, How We Became Hedonists, Sexuality, again, being part of the social sciences, supposedly biologically based, but... You know, have you noticed we've been switched and baited? I sat next to a young man who was a son of a minister who was a gay Christian. I, I didn't know that they had this conference in Pittsburgh. I was flying out and I got on a second leg going out to, uh, to um, South Dakota. And he was on the plane. I said, well, where'd you come from? He said, Pittsburgh. I said, oh, I came from Pittsburgh. I'm going out to teach at a seminary. Where were you? He said, I was at the gay Christian conference. I said, really? He said, yeah, for 10 years we've had this. I said, you know, you've got to explain something to me. Everybody used to argue that homosexuality was biological. There's no proof of that. But they used to argue that. I said, will you help me now? Now sexual identity is psychological. I can be anything of 50 choices and what? Next week I can change. 
Where did that come from? Okay, it's all laid out for you. Sexuality became satanically twisted. Okay, Satan's a liar. Judith A. Reisman, you got to know this woman, look her up online. She's written all this stuff, images of children, crimes, and violence, and Playboy, Penthouse Hustler, uh, Department of uh, Justice Grants. Uh, she's written other things, but her main research is Kinsey, Sex, and Fraud. Okay? And she says this, okay, down there in the quote. She concludes in Crimes and Consequences. So without debating the matter, mainstream America and the culture was pushed and prodded into sexual revolution by the Sexually Freer Academy and the mass media under the influence of elite foundations. The American population became slowly Kinseyfied, believing to a significant degree that anything goes. Kinsey, who was protected by the University of Indiana, Bloomington, they still have a Kinsey Institute out there. They were performing, I can't even tell you, in polite society, what they were trying to do to kids. Six-month-old babies, they're doing sexual experiments. All his data came from mostly from people who were in prisons on sex crime violations. Okay? And... Uh, Kinsey, I have that in a paragraph there, was a pansexualist who literally knew no bounds of right and wrong. He practiced, he was a personal deviant who died of sexual self-abuse. So this perverse sexuality is a major historical development, and it's tied up. I don't have time, time's running out, but the eugenics movement, you've heard of that, right? You know, eugenics, good breeding, okay? So Margaret Sanger, okay? Uh, it was not only blacks, but Italian, people that we don't want that aren't white Anglo-Saxons. We can get rid of them by what? Good breeding. Does that sound familiar? Hitler. Just think Hitler, because that's what happened. They did experiments, and they you know, worked on the gypsies, a lot of other people, and they wanted to get rid of That's coming back. Now, Kinsey was at University of Indiana, and this is another guy, again, that's another talk for another time, is a guy named uh, Mueller, Herman Mueller, who was teaching in the States, left, even though it had a Jewish mother, went to Germany in the 30s, worked with the Nazis, and then went over to Stalingrad and worked over there with the communists, then came back and taught at Indiana University. Now, you may not hear that name, but there is a Herman Mueller sperm bank named in his honor, which stores and gives out sperm from Nobel Prize winners so that we can actually create a race of superhumans. You don't I didn't make this stuff up, friends. This is not Marvel Comics. This is reality, okay? So you need to understand this, okay? Selling of homosexuality to America, and uh, your notes there, gay rights is not about the attainment of truth nor social justice, but the achievement of power. The battle centers on the control of public discourse through marketing and persuasion to shape what society thinks about and how they think about it. Homosexual activists envision that a decision is ultimately made without society ever realizing that it has been purportedly conditioned to arrive at a conclusion and think of its own. How does it happen? Academics like University of Indiana, protecting Kinsey, and what else? Grants like foundation grants, uh, the Rockefellers and others gave what? And Carnegie, okay, Pittsburgh stuff. That money went to what? Helping the ACLU and precursors of the ACLU who will fight for, for gay rights. Okay? We have now shoved down our throats by the Supreme Court uh, this, and it's really brown shirts. It is an intellectual Nazism 
that is taking over the United States and you and I, whether you make cakes and say you won't do it for gays or whatever, or it's, it's happening. You know all the cases if you're listening to the news. Okay, so this shift actually was planned in the late 1800s, and there were people who gave money and time and effort to change what? The sexual mores of the culture. Look, it's in the notes. The American Psychological Association, which does the DSM, did what? Removed homosexuality as disorder in 1973. Political pressure from gay therapists. Okay? DSM-4 removed sadism and pedophilia. Okay? You're probably all old enough to, un, uh, to know what they mean, okay? Very perverse. Dis- they're not even psychological disorders anymore. See, that's what we're talking about, cultural change. It didn't just happen in the 60s. This had been planned for 100 years and has been worked at. The modern church inadvertently makes things worse, I think. Uh, well, next major point, if I can get to it before we close. Uh, we've become worldly, adopting the standards of seemingly successful pagans next door and the manipulated data of a few uh, form of revelation, a new form of revelation a par with the Bible, which is social science. Or we withdraw waiting for the rapture uh, to get out of suffering, where we become the moral majority and not the bride of Christ. Okay, um, God alone is the moral majority and his law is the standard. We barter away our birthright on the, of the word and spirit for a man-made stew made up of social sciences, especially psychology and state-licensed sex therapists. The mediatorial reign of Christ is ignored instead of staying in the arms, and I'm making a metaphor here, instead of staying in the arms of our heavenly bridegroom who alone can produce in us the fruit of the spirit. Um, Maybe it's inappropriate in this talking about sexuality. The church cannot produce love, joy, peace, patience, right, on its own, right? You can't, a woman can't get pregnant on her own. You know, like, I hate to say this, but to our gay and lesbian friends and others, it still takes a sperm, it still takes an egg to get a kid, whether it's in a dish or it's in the body of a woman, right? And as far as I know, there's only one place to get sperm. There's only one place to get an egg. There's some nasty created realities that aren't going to change just because academics want to make it so. Okay? And so we're, Western culture is like on a bad acid trip. I'm serious. We're all running around. Look, if you don't know who you are, okay, and it's, not just, it's just not sex, right? It's the Furies. Have you heard of the Furies? That also came to Pittsburgh. They're the kids that think they're animals. Serious. I've met them. Wearing foxtails. And they think they're a fox. This kid thinks he's a wolf. Well, I've got one way to cure that. I'll take you to Yellowstone and drop you off with a local wolf pack. And you'll come to a... I'm serious. I'm not trying to be... I'm not making fun of people. It's reality. What? You'll become one of two things. I'm in the wrong pack, or I'm not a wolf. (laughs) I'm a birder. I love wild birds, okay? But if I jump off this building and flap my wings, I'll tell you what. I'll hit the ground, not running. I'll be running all over the ground. Okay, so we remember, Jesus said what? Pagans have more street smarts than his people, right? The worldly people are smarter than his people. And that's, we, we've been asleep at the wheel for 150 years, okay? Anyway, 
you know, the fundamentals and losing the battle. Uh, you know, after World War II, we realized, Lord, we won the monkey trial, the Scopes trial, but lost the culture. And everybody runs back now to what? We got to get reinvolved. But what happens? People go to secular universities, get the training, come back and teach it at Christian colleges, and say it's Christian psychology, sociology. It's not. The third and final one, just to end with this, laziness in living and not loving the suffering Savior in his cross. Enemy three, what? You and me, the flesh. What did Pogo say? We have seen the enemy, and it is us. Personal peace and affluence versus personal piety, Francis Schaeffer. Personal piety versus a kingdom perspective, okay? Uh, We need a new reformation based on a revival that will what? Send a lot of people back into what? Law and politics and media and everything. The culture needs salt and light. The fear of man versus the fear of God. We need Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego's. We don't need more wimps. We need Peter's and John's, not Simon Magus's and Ananias's and Sapphira's. Happiness versus holiness is rampant in the church. We need Christ-esteem, not self-esteem. We need the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man. Mechanistic, deistic view of life in a closed and personal universe versus the mediatorial reign of Christ. Okay, we ignore Ephesians 6. We're in a battle, brothers and sisters. We're in a battle for the lives of ourselves and our kids and our grandkids. And we will not win it by wimping out and eating bonbons and watching TV. Well, dear saints, enough of the problems. Where do we need to go? Repentance and revival. Repentance and revival. We need to pray. We need to fast and pray. Uh, We need individuals, families, congregations, denominations that are committed to the Bible. That's why biblical counseling is important. I can give you stories later on who's converted and who has changed from transgendered into taking their God-given gender. The church needs to fast and pray. Okay, Just on with a quote. Remember Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings. When your people, Israel, put the church, the church in, when your people, the church, are defeated before the enemy because they've sinned against you and they turn again to you and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people, uh, uh, Israel, here, the church, and bring them again to the land that you gave their fathers. If your people go out to battle against their enemy, whatever way they shall send them, they pray to the Lord toward the city that you've chosen, and we now pray toward the heavenly Jerusalem where Christ is. He will hear from heaven heaven and he will forgive and he ends up with say for you separated them from among all the peoples of the earth to be your heritage as you declared through Moses your servant you brothers and sisters you have no idea how important you are you are blood bought you are Christ's people and you are responsible for taking that good news to the people we must be salt and light again Rosaria Butterfield and the works that she has Uh, The foolishness of cross-centered preaching must be the main tool as it has been in every generation from Adam and on. Enoch preached. Noah preached. It's preaching. We need the light of the gospel, not the gospel light. Okay? Uh, We need something that will fill the souls of men. We don't need so many weak-willed hamlets to be or not to be and commit individual, familial, and societal uh, suicide. Good news, bad news. We've never been closer to the Roman Empire than today. 
bad news. Good news, gospel work then, gospel work now. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him give us all things graciously? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God's You can never be condemned because of Christ. Amen? And if you're here without Christ today, you are condemned already. So you need to talk to me about getting right with God. If I could get to seminary unconverted, you could get to a biblical counseling conference and be unregenerate. You're not going to do anybody any good being dead in your trespasses and sin. No, and all these things are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I'm sure that neither life nor death, angels or rulers, things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? The resurrection is real. Can you say it with me? The resurrection is real, and Christ is coming back on the clouds of glory. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but be changed in a moment, the twinkling an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable, mortal must put on mortality. When this perishable puts it on, imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come past the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and uh, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor, your counsel is not in vain. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, your labor, is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord God, we're in a battle. It's over our heads. We can't do this. Lord, things were very bad in Europe when the Reformation came. And you tore things up and a lot of people died. But Lord, the gospel went out and gospel of grace, salvation alone, through Christ alone, through grace alone, to the glory of God alone. It transformed Western Europe. And Lord God, we need that today. We pray for America. We pray for uh, our country. We pray for this state. We pray for this area in the Cleveland area that you will pour out your spirit in a fresh way and that from revival may come real reformation so that people will know they're not animals and they'll not be confused about their gender. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.